Hi, this is Alex Helmbrecht, and I'm joined here with Daniel Binkert, and welcome to The Farcast. Our guest today is the esteemed Dr. Tara Hart, uh, the Dean of Student Affairs at Shattern State College for about the past doing some quick math, maybe six months or so, maybe not quite that long. Not quite that long. Um, But maybe it seems that long to you. I don't know. Maybe it feels like six years, but we're certainly glad that you're here. Uh, You've been at CSC for a while now, and so uh, let's get to know a little bit more about you. So kind of give us that background biographical information, you know, the stuff that appears on a dust jacket. Where'd you grow up? Mm. Where did you go to school? All that good stuff. Yeah, I feel like I should, like, break out in Journey, you know, just a small town girl. (laughs) Nice. Um, So I am from Tecama, Nebraska. It's a small town in northeast uh, Nebraska. So I always talk about being from the other side of the state. And um, honestly, I was really blessed to have a great, you know, family, really supportive, and Graduated with a class of about sixty, which is pretty big for that my does town sound of big like. For, yeah. Yeah. How like big eight, is Tacoma? About eighteen hundred. Okay. And so, I decided to attend Wayne State College, our sister school, and I loved it. I fell in love with higher education, um, and I didn't even realize it. And so, um, graduated from there and thought, "Gosh, what am I going to do?" And I decided to become an admissions counselor. And I ended up having three interviews, and out of the three interviews, one of the, I got one job offer from it, and that was back in the day when you had to look at, like, the Omaha World Herald. Oh, yeah. Um, and really fell in love with higher education and have had a lot of great opportunities. Um, I've worked in five different states, uh, eight institutions, um, I did get my master's from the University of Nebraska at Omaha and loved that. It was in counseling with an emphasis in um, student affairs practice. And then eventually when I moved out of the state of Nebraska, which was probably the best thing for me to do personally and professionally, um, I found uh, Hardin-Simmons University. It's a small Baptist uh, private college where I was able to get my doctorate. In a hybrid model, so I was um, attending online classes, but then we had weekend classes, and so I stayed in the residence halls while I was there as a doctoral student. Oh, fun! Um, on the weekends, and we had Friday uh, night, all day Saturday, and then Sunday afternoon classes. And so, wow. you know, my education itself was a lot of fun. You know, I did the you know, you know, this like the small public. And then I did the, the large public, and then I did the small, uh, private, um, um, you know, religious affiliated. So I really have been able to not only work, but also attend, you know, lots of different types of institutions. Yeah, because I'm sure there's a lot of, of similarities, but there's probably a lot of differences as well. Yes. Um, you know, part of it is, I think, how students really interact with their faculty and staff. Hmm. Um and I think everyone, you know, when when I work in admissions, when I had worked in admissions or enrollment management, they would always say, like, what did you love about, insert the institution's name? And they'd say, it's the people. Yeah. And that's right. Like, you cannot emulate the welcoming, you know, environment that you have. But there is differences, especially between the private and sector and then the public institutions and what that looks like and how students can get involved, sometimes their opportunities, um, 
how they can, you know, have research be really critical for them um, in the classrooms, how they can be student leaders uh, earlier in their time at the institution. And so um, I've always wanted to work at a, I say, smaller institution. And what I mean by that is the largest institution I've worked at has been around, it, it climbed to 10,000 students when I was there. Um, we started around 7,500, and um, but you know, past that, you really don't get to know the students one-on-one, -on -one. and that's what you know to me makes what I do coming to work every day, you know, really special. Absolutely. So. Yeah, that's great. Um, so you've talked a little bit about some of the you know various institutions. Let's talk a little bit about the roles that you've had at these various places, and well, why do you think that higher education suits you? Mm. So I have had, gosh, I've worked in higher education for about 22 years now, and half of my time has been in enrollment management, right. where the other half has been in student affairs. And then I had one year as a stint as a faculty member, okay. and I loved that as well. Um, there I was able to teach graduate students who were wanting to pursue higher education, student affairs specifically. Um, you know, for me, I find that in higher education, there are so many different types of transferable skills that you have from one role to another. And really, it does take a village, you know, for a student to be successful, yeah. you know, at an institution and to walk across the stage for graduation. So as I started as an admissions counselor at an institution, I never would have attended myself. Um, and it was an all women's Catholic college. Okay. But there I really learned about mission and I learned about the values and how you can portray that and really communicate that uh, to your students. And I really attribute that learning opportunity to one of my first mentors I had, um, Dr. Tara Knutson-Carl. Um, and she was always Dr. Tara, and I was Tara. And now we're both Dr. Tara, which is kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. um, but you really, like, I just learned so much from her and from the connectiveness that we had at that campus community. And because of my role there, I was able to become a director for residence life at a very, very young age. Okay. Some of my residents were my age or a little bit older because I had single moms living on campus with their with their children. And so from there, I just knew that I wanted to continue to expand. I had a love for residence life. I had that from Wayne State. I was an RA, became an assistant right. hall director, then a hall director um, as a student. And so that was my foundation, but I wanted to explore and expand. And so then I went into student activities. And so then that's when I had the opportunity to work with student orientation or campus activities board, student senate, um, just basic campus programming and really, you know, showing students what they can learn outside the classroom as much as they can inside the classroom. And then from there, I was really blessed to go back to my alma mater to work at Wayne State and was their director for student activities and student center. And I got to bring Jason Aldean on campus for their concert, which was a lot of fun. Um, and that was right before he got super well-known, very, very famous. Um, and then when I was at uh, Midland uh, Lutheran College at the time, they asked me to come back and serve as their assistant dean of students and as well as their director for residence life. I did that, and then they promoted me up to dean of students. 
And then I decided I needed to move from the about two and a half, three hour radius that I had worked and lived in my entire life. And I decided to move to Angelo State University. And I ended up working in their student support center. And that had a great opportunity to work with students who just really needed help with transitions. And I learned the registrar process with withdrawing students and like how to track why students were leaving. And from there, um, a new vice president came in and he asked me to move back to admissions. I hadn't been there in quite a while to serve as their associate director because he said he really wanted someone who understood the importance of the transition from recruitment to actually, you know, being on campus and what that looked like in the student affairs field. And from there, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed the recruitment piece of it. I, I was connected with people across campus with all the campus events we were doing for hundreds of students. And uh, my personal life then took me to Arkansas, and that's where I was able to serve as a faculty member, which I loved, and then had the opportunity to go on to Truman State University as their director of admissions and really put into place what I had learned my you know past, gosh, 15 years of recruitment and help them with their incoming class. And then the pandemic happened. Yeah. Yeah. Which was super fun. <laughs> oh, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just, a, just a laugh a minute those days. <laughs> and we were the only admissions staff in the state of Missouri to be reporting to work. Okay. And we did that, and I really actually went back on my student affairs, learned skills to think about how to be prepared and how to help keep people safe. And because I had a staff of 20-plus individuals there and how we had to alternate and how we had to, you know, at the time, not understanding the virus in and of itself and what that meant to sanitize and keep us healthy. And so I did that. And then I had a search firm um, reach out and ask me to apply for a vice president position. And that had always been my dream, my always my goal. And so I did. And that found myself moving to Kentucky Okay. And I was, and I served as their vice president for enrollment management in student affairs, and so I had the best of both worlds, and I loved it. And then, being 19 hours from some people who are pretty dear to my heart, um, I found my way back to Nebraska, and then here at Shadron, and was very fortunate to serve as the interim director of Start and to learn for the first time advising. Um, that had been one thing that was not in my background. And I practiced it in graduate school, um, did a little bit of it as a faculty, but to truly see it from a different you know, point of view was really critical here. And I learned a lot from my staff, as much as I think they learned from me. And then I had the opportunity to serve as CSC's Associate Vice President for Enrollment Management and really you know, help take a look at you know, what foundational things they were doing really well. And if there were a couple things we could you know, tweak or he- here or there um, with the strategic enrollment management plan. And then I had the opportunity, Dr. Ryan, um, with the, uh, the retirement of Mr. Hansen, um, had asked if I would be interested in, in looking at this role and said I would. And so I have now come full circle and back yeah. to the Dean of Student Affairs here at CSC. So. And back to the state college system here. That's exactly <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what a trip it's been, I'm yeah. sure. It has. It has. So, mm-hmm. But one that's been a lot of fun, a lot of learning moments, a lot of high moments, and 
a few low moments too, but that's well, what that's makes life. us stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Well, I've got a long question here, so I have to read it to make sure that I get it right. Okay. October is the Careers and Student Affairs Month, according to the Student Affairs Administrators in Higher Education. So talk to us a little bit more about student affairs. Uh, what does that department all encompass? I know that you oversee them, mm. but those folks do a lot of work, uh, and it doesn't occur in that typical 8 to 5 range. Absolutely. So um, NASPA is a professional organization that really is promoting careers in student affairs. And student affairs looks different at each institution. So here at Shadron State College, um, I'll have to make sure I get them all, is at Campus Recreation. Uh, so like intramurals, you know, fitness, yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, campus Security, the cheer team, housing and residence life, health services, which includes our counselors as well as the nurse, um, and then student activities and Title IX. And then there's a lot of fun stuff that kind of comes in between, um, like student conduct or, you know, assessment measures. But ultimately, you know, student affairs is one that is really outside the classroom. Um, and it isn't, you know, it isn't eight to five. It's twenty four seven. So when we have concerns in the residence halls, um, you know, my team, my residence life team, they're solid. And the RAs, our student staff, they're amazing. You know, the time and dedication that they give to be student leaders. Um, yeah, they may have, you know, the compensation, but it's it's never going to be enough for what they provide to us, you know, not only in, you know, checking in with their residents right. or providing emergency protocol, but also the programming they do and just being attentive in general. Student activities, um, you know, we have so many things that happen there from Student Senate to Campus Activities Board to the PIT to our student organizations. And, you know, that's what makes college fun. That's how yeah. we engage, you know, our students for them to learn how to be leaders, you know, outside of the classroom, how they can learn how to put together an agenda, how they can communicate with people who are their, you know, supervisors or superiors, however they want to look at it. And it's just really critical for them. Um, and to also be engaged because we know if you go back to student uh, development theory, which I won't bore, I won't bore the <laughs> listeners, um, but it really takes one person for a student to be connected with to keep them and to help retain them and help them know that they matter. And so, um, you know, those two as well as campus security and, you know, my whole team, I just... I really appreciate them, and I love working alongside them every day. They care about the students. We're, you know, we're centered around how we can help them, but also how we hold students accountable, too. Mm -hmm. And that's a really fine balance, but I think one that all of us do really well. So, I, you know, I, I always want to uplift them because a lot of students that work with us don't think, like I did, I didn't think I was going to work in higher education. I was very involved in my undergrad um, and never once did it cross my mind that I could do this as a profession um, really until Wayne State College offered me a job as a hall director after graduating and I told them no because I wanted to explore and and you know leave and I did come back but then I left again. And um, I think that's really important. So even with our younger staff, you know, CSC graduates, 
it's helping them understand that they see they see things from a different angle, from a different perspective than as a student, and that's okay, but it's going to also open their eyes a bit differently. But then where do they want to go? And so this, this month, um, I'm actually meeting with all my staff to ask them, you know, what are your goals? Where do you want to be? If someone wants to aspire to my position, I want to help them get there. You know, I want to provide them with the tools. And professional development isn't just about going to a conference. It's about, you know, what podcasts can you listen to? Um, what articles are helpful to read? Yep. Who can you connect with just regionally? And so when you think about student affairs, it's really that co-curricular experience. And I don't say extra. And I'm very specific on my words. Extra means not needed. Co means we're, we're doing this together. And our students learn just as much outside the classroom as they do inside the classroom. And that's what makes us great partners with our faculty here at CSC. Nice. Well, that's, uh, that's great. And, and looking at, um, you know, the, the employees in your department, several of, several of them are CSC graduates. And so they've had those opportunities to, to uh, kind of like what you were talking about, working as students and then seeing themselves here and, and manifesting that and, and to hear you uh, continue to support them and wanting them to achieve their goals. That's great. Yeah. Uh, that's wonderful to hear. Uh, they're wonderful. I definitely could not do my job without them. And your people are your most important your most important resource. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So whether it's food or high five or a listening ear or letting them know that it's that they really should sleep in because they worked until 10 o'clock the night before, that's really important mm-hmm. to me. Yep. That's great. So we have a list of some of your professional interests, <laughs> and I, I know this can't be the full list. <laughs> uh, but so some of your professional interests include leadership, belongingness, mm-hmm. diversity, student engagement, and assessment. So how do you maintain those interests <laughs> on top of the busy work schedule? Uh, and then how do you incorporate those interests into your uh, day-to-day schedule? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the hardest time to do that is when you start a new job, when you start a new position, Right. Um, but sometimes it can be the easiest, too. So um, I am an avid uh, podcast listener, and I love listening to um, those that are higher ed specific. Yeah. Those are my nerdy ones, not the mindless ones. Um, and I actually have introduced quite a few of those to my team and also just some other colleagues if the um, topic is appropriate. And, you know, honestly, most of the podcasts that I listen to address almost every topic that you listed. That is the short yeah. list of what I'm interested in. All right. um, and I can make fun of myself. But I think the other thing, too, is I get, you know, short snippets or emails um, from Inside Higher Ed or The Chronicle to take a look and to read through different things. I also have, you know, because I worked at multiple institutions, I have individuals there in different areas. And so I have a group of female professors at Arkansas Tech University um, who, you know, we we talk about different, you know, subjects going on and what does that look like and how does that affect us? And not all of us obviously are in Arkansas anymore. We are, you know, three of us have moved on, from, you know, in that group of, I think, eight or nine. And... But also really looking at and talking with other people, like, what are you seeing? What are the concerns that you're having? You know, how has your year started off? Um, One of my best friends, who's also a former colleague, um, she works at Midland University, and we probably communicate every day. And part of it is to check in with each other 
um, to see how we are personally and professionally um, because burnout is really high in student affairs. Um, But also, you know, seeing how we can be supportive and, and what we're seeing to also be prepared. We always have to be prepared um, in this role, and we have to basically anticipate. But when it comes to things like diversity or belongingness, those two can go hand in hand. Sure. Um, and in some of my previous roles, I've been able to be an advisor to specific student organizations or groups. And um, honestly, every year I try to present somewhere at a conference. Um, I think that's really key to keeping yourself current and doing some of that research. Um, And for assessment specifically, I am an HLC, Higher Learning Commission. That's our accreditation body. I'm a peer reviewer. So at the end of this month, I get to go on my first review of another institution. All right. And so I'm learning it from a different side to, you know, ultimately help CSC in the future And so I think if I, I mean, I need to stay current on what's happening. I always tell my staff we need to stay current. Um, And so those are some of the topics that I can read, write, and then hopefully present on um, in upcoming, whether it's, you know, virtual conferences, actual conferences themselves, but also just, you know, becoming more educated. I think that's really important as, as a higher education professional. Yeah, definitely is. So I have one follow-up question. And um, if you're not listening to higher ed podcasts, mm. are there any that are just like for pure entertainment? Oh, and yes. I, I know you're getting entertainment out of the higher ed stuff. <laughs> yes. I, I have a feeling you're wired that way. Yes. But uh, yeah, are there any others that, that um, you know, maybe more for the general audience that you might recommend? <laughs> yeah, so um, I do. Yeah, I listen to a few. So I really love health and wellness. Yeah. Um, and so I listen to what's called Renaissance Periodization. It's called RP. And that really talks a lot about how you can stay healthy. Um, and it's a good balance of nutrition and um, exercise and what that looks like. Um, I listen to kettlebells and cocktails, which if you don't know about me, um I am a certified CrossFit coach. I actually didn't pick up a barbell until I was in my 30s. And um, so that's a fun one where they talk with different athletes um, and there's different individuals and talking about health and wellness. I also, um, I like... uh, Crime Junkies. That's I knew good. there was going to be. <laughs> that is a fun one that I listen to. Um, Those are they're so popular. Yeah. They are. They are. <laughs> yeah, they really um, are. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, I just actually downloaded one. Um, one of my goals that I have had is to learn how to speak um, Espanol fluently. All right. And so I heard about Coffee Break Spanish. And so um, I've just downloaded that that podcast to try to um, be more fluent in Spanish because uh, that's just a, a goal I've had. So that's I have, great. I have quite the, and then Glennon Doyle, like, um, you know, I just, I have so many podcasts I listen to that sometimes, and Brene Brown, um, both of hers, Unlocking Us and Dare to Lead. When she went on sabbatical for three months, I, I think I, I went into my own little like black hole of where oh, are yeah. you, Brene? I need you. <laughs> um, and so just a whole variety of stuff that I think is kind of fun. So I think it's fun whether other people do or not, that's okay. But, you know. So let me ask you this in terms of like a, I guess it would be from the completionist standpoint. There's a lot on that list. Mm. Are you 
are you very careful to listen to all of those as they, you know, and not have the backlog? Or is it, do you get to a point where, no, my, this, this one will keep. I don't have to, too much else is going on this week. Okay. It feels like that, finding that balance can be mm-hmm. difficult. So Daniel's like, Tara, I know you're type A. Um, <laughs> so there are two actually that I didn't even mention that I listened to. Oh, yeah. One is every day. And it's when I, um, for this year, I do like bucket lists. I don't necessarily do like New Year's resolutions. And it was Bible in a Year. And so I'm listening to that podcast. So you really do have to listen to that one every oh, day. Yeah. I mean, you you don't have to, but it's just easier to keep up on it. Well, and how long would a given day's episode be? It's about usually 20 to 30 minutes. So okay. not, not awful by any means. I can usually listen to that as I'm getting ready to work out in the All morning. Right. Um, I also listen to Pat and JT. Um, and if anybody is from the other side of Nebraska, they back in the day used to be some uh, radio DJs, and now they have gone on to podcasting and they do theirs Monday through Friday and theirs absolutely will make me laugh. I could be mid-workout, I could be walking to work, you know, whatever the case may be and I will break out in laughter (laughs) and that's so important. Um, But some of the other ones I can kind of um, like... Um, we can do hard things like with Glennon Doyle. I didn't get to hers this last week um, for a variety of reasons with it being homecoming week this yeah, last busy week. Time. <laughs> and so um, I have two two hour long episodes to listen to. But when I do my endurance workouts, that's a lot of times when I'll listen to those longer podcasts. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Find that balance. Keep yeah. those headphones charged. <laughs> that's yeah, <you> right. <laughs> Um, now, s- some some of our listeners might not know this, but uh, Dr. Alaric Williams is your husband, and he's also a dean here at CSC. Uh, he's the dean of professional studies, uh, applied sciences, and, and I believe a curriculum here at CSC. Also an HLC peer reviewer, so <laughs> continuous improvement is a theme in your household, I would imagine. Um, but what what drew both of you to to CSC and, and the community of Shadron? Uh, and then I guess kind of as a follow up to that is you two probably, I'm assuming, work in stressful situations from time to time. How do you kind of decompress? Do you have like a no work rule at home? Uh, Talk a little bit about that. Oh, yes. So uh, Dr. Williams, I also um, fondly refer to him as Dr. Husband. And so you might hear him respond to me as Dr. Wife, too. Most of the students know that. Um, So when I left Arkansas Tech University and I went to Truman uh, State University, you know, Alaric and I, that was then the first time after we had been married that we lived apart. Um, when we started dating before he moved from Texas to Arkansas, we were apart for, gosh, three, three and a half years. And our hashtag was we make long distance work, right? But after you get married and then after we actually lived together, it was really hard on us. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pandemic did not help that either, right? Um, and so he was looking for a change. He had been a department chair. Um, and at other institutions, department chairs are very, they're structured very differently than they are here at CSC. And so he was ready for the dean position. And so as he was looking for a job and um, I was going through the search firm process, I was getting close to Kentucky and we knew that was potentially gonna be the case. And we knew we wanted to be together. And he was actually in a job search at Nashville. And so we thought, okay, that's three hours. We can make three hours work. That's amazing, right? And then he saw this, this position posted. And he goes, have you ever heard of Shadron State College? And I said, I'm from Nebraska. 
Yes, absolutely. And I said, it's, you know, it's a great, you know, it's part of the state college system. It's a great college. Um, my cousin went here. I have an aunt and uncle in Alliance, Nebraska. So I'm very familiar with Western Nebraska, where sometimes some individuals um, kind of forget that there might be a few towns past Kearney, you know. And I said, you know, the panhandle is really beautiful. And I've always felt like the like that Western Nebraska was a lot like Angela State University, which is where I initially met um, Alaric. And so he said, I, I just, this job description, he's like, I just really, like, I really just, it's really intriguing. And I said, what does it hurt? I said, but I need to tell you, it snows there. Like it snows a lot <laughs> because he is, you know, from a Southern state. So, um, so he went through the process and he was actually, you know, still talking with uh, the institution in Nashville um, as well as Wayne State College and uh, was in the, the job search uh, portion of it. And he just said he got back and he just he couldn't stop talking. And he, you know what he said was the best part? The people. Right. There we go. We and it. I said to him, you know, I want I want to support you and you need to do what's best. And so he pursued his dream of being here as an academic dean. And um, I pursued my dream as being a vice president. And so um, he really gravitated toward the community well. Um, the hardest part for me while I was living in Kentucky is um, I had a really small staff. And because of where I was living in Kentucky, uh, COVID was really, really abundant. Mm -hmm. And I was delivering meals. I was testing students. It was, you know, all the gamut. And so I couldn't leave. And if I did leave outside of the state lines, we had a policy, a very strict policy, that I'd have to come back and quarantine for five days and then test. And I just couldn't do that to my staff. And so Alaric was one that was having to really do the travel to me. And I actually um, had one of my former college students who, um, a funny story for another day, the first time that she really worked with me in orientation, hated me, hated <laughs> me, and then ended up going into higher education and was one of my dear, dear friends. And she called me her mentor and I still learned more from her, I think, than she learned from me at times. And she had been diagnosed with cancer, and she defended her dissertation while fighting cancer, and I was able to go and hood her. And then she, was, then she got married um, to her husband, and then, you know, a year later, she passed away. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what am I doing you know, I have a man that I love who loves me. Why am I living 19 hours away from him? Doesn't make any sense. And so it, it took a lot of discerning. Um, and he came to visit me and I said, hey, I don't want to live apart anymore. You know, you're more important than any job. And I said, I'm, I'm going to put in my notice. And he said, wait, let's talk about this. He's like, I, I, I can move to you. You wanted to be a vice president. That's your goal. And I said, yeah, but you know what? They don't fire too many academic deans. But as a vice president for enrollment management, if you don't make numbers, that's really easy to, <laughs> to fire. And we, kinda, and we laughed about that. And I said, but honestly, 
I'm from Nebraska. I want to come home. And he said, are you sure? And I said, yes. And, um, you know, we have this joke. He always says, you know, he loves me more. And so I've said that I put the trump card down when I actually moved and left my dream job to come here. But it felt right, as scary as it was, because that has been the only time that I've left I've left a job um, and not necessarily had one lined up. Mm-hmm. But I was, once again, blessed to have an interim role and then um, be able to work at CSC. And our lives are stressful in different ways, Alex. Um, you know, mine is a lot of reactive. Um, people make choices, and that actually affects me and the decisions and the behaviors I have to do, um, you know, whether that's for policy or just for pure safety or out of concern. And um, his stresses are different where it's, you know, looking at budgets, looking at, you know, accreditation pieces, looking at, you know, wait list. And there's, you know, different pieces. And he has, I think, 80 some people reporting directly to him. And I don't have that many. Yeah. But I also am charged with the entire student body and, and their concern. And so we have this joke um, that when we get home, <laughs> we have kitchen conversations. And that means because we, you know, eat different meals. And so we're usually prepping our food and we're talking and we're eating and whatever. And that's when we talk about work. We talk about work in the kitchen. And after we leave kitchen, we're not supposed to talk about work anymore. And that happens pretty well. But honestly, um, you know, he, with him being married to me, when I get the 2 a.m. phone call, he's up to. Mm-hmm. And so he's the, he's the dean of student affairs, you know, the, the husband of that, where I then can't go back to sleep necessarily, or I have to report to campus and come home, and he's still up. And so, and we knew that was going to, you know, affect both of us, but we really try to do that. And so we at least try to have that rule. Um, we work out early in the morning, about 4 a.m., and that's kind of our time um, that we get to, to go in on that. So that starts our day off well. And we like to go on walks if we can when it's nice out, if we're both home at the same time. Um, we love to binge watch some Netflix sometimes, you know, um, whether it's, you know, and we watch all different type of, types of genres like that you could even imagine. So that's kind of... Um, that's kind of a fun thing to do. Um, every Sunday, we try to FaceTime our parents. Um, so we talk to his mom, and then we talk to my mom and dad. And, you know, we really just try to make the most of it because, you know, we found each other later in life. And, you know, it's really important for us to spend, just to have the time to spend together. And so that means if he's going up to the Child Development Center, the CDC here on campus, and he's wanting to see the kids at a at an art night or a whatever theme night it is, then that's what we're going to do. If that means we go to CSC athletic events together, we have fun, and, you know, whether we're cheering on whatever team is performing, we do that. If it's going to the theater um, production on campus or um, musical uh, production as well, we just, we really try to do that. And, but you'll, it's funny because if we're ever in meetings together, we normally don't sit by each other. We make it a point to not <laughs> okay. do that. I so, do that with Brittany too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, so I think it's, I think we do pretty well and we take it in stride. Um, but it's hard, it's hard not too, because we're both so passionate about what we do. Um, and it's funny, because like you talked about, like, what is student affairs? I'm still, I still have to explain to my parents sometimes really what I do. 
Um, especially when I was uh, the director for residence life, I'm like, well, I live on campus and I, you know, take care of these students. And, you know, so I think it's just hard when you think about higher education because, you know, we're busy when the students are busy, but the students are busy at all different times of the day for all different types of reasons. And so sometimes his busyness is usually at the beginning of the semester for a different reason than, you know, our busyness is with like moving students on campus. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. but, um, we try to be really good about that. And, uh, I think that's probably the most important thing is we just know what it was like to live apart and that's just too important to us now. So well, good for you. Yeah. Thanks. Got to keep that. You got to have that work life balance. And sometimes it's hard when your spouse (laughs) works at the same place. There are benefits though to it. I mean, uh, Brittany always jokes that she's the f- second person to know when campus is closed yeah. for snow. So. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I take those perks all the time, all the time. So, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> well, uh, Tara, we, we, before we get into our final quick-hitting questions, are there any other any other things um, you know you, you and you and Alaric like to enjoy doing outside of work? Any, anything mm-hmm. else that need, we should touch on? Well, we definitely, I mean... So we love to watch sports, and um, we have some sports teams that are the same and others that are not. Any friendly rivalries? Um, Texas Rangers and the St. Louis Cardinals. Okay. So I'm the Cardinals fan. So tomorrow, October 4th, is Yadier Molina Day. Um, That's what they have determined in St. Louis, and he has been one of my favorite players for forever. Um, And then October 5th is Albert Pujols Day since he came back to the Cardinals for one last season. So it's kind of fun watching them in the in the uh, playoffs. Uh, but when I moved to Texas, my first year there in the World Series was the Texas Rangers and the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. And if you know my husband, he kind of likes to, I don't know, throw around some words every once in a while about his teams oh, and yeah. how amazing they are. And, you know, he, he has some fun with that. And I'm really not that person. I'm like, well, we'll see who wins, you know, like, yeah. I'm like, because you never know. Um, and so we had some fun banter and, you know, we were just good friends back then. And um, and so when the Cardinals did win, um, we actually had a meeting and I remembered I had these donuts that I, I got for our morning meeting. And he walked in and I said, oh, my gosh, there's donuts in the break room if you want to have some. And he's like, oh, yeah. I said, yeah. So he goes in there and my whole staff, which was all GAs, and they were all like students of his, they were like waiting for him to open the box, right? And so he opens the box and I had put like RIP Texas Rangers and I put them like on these toothpicks and I stuck them all in the donuts. And... Um, so we, you know, we have some fun with that. Like, but that's that. And then if Arkansas and Nebraska ever went, or ever plays, like you know, in football, sure, basketball, that could be. I mean, I I'm an Arkansas fan too now. I woo pig suey like the, like the rest of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he watches the Huskers, and and so we are pretty supportive. But if they ever face off, that could be interesting. <laughs> um, but otherwise, we do that, and then. I think we like to travel, yeah. you know, and one thing now, hopefully with the nearing of situations in the world, um, we would really like to take more trips and really be present in the moment. And I think that's really key. And whether it's, you know, seeing his boys or, you know, our parents, but then also I, w- I would love to go somewhere internationally and be like, all right, we'll see you guys in 
you know, oh, yeah. a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, I think those are the types of things that we just really kind of try to do. And um, we've read books together. Um, that's been a fun experience. Um, or we'll read, like, um, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. We would each read that chapter and then talk about it from our perspectives. And so sometimes we're still a little a little nerdy about what we do. I call us nerdy, oh, but I yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah so, no, that's great. Yeah. Well, as Daniel alluded to, it's that time of the interview where we have some quick-hitting questions. So the first thing that okay. that comes into your mind. All right. What's the first concert you attended? <laughs> um, Dina Carter, Strawberry Wine. Yeah. Oh, I remember that song. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I have to say at least, you know, so for if any students listen to this, they'll be like, who? And they have to Google <laughs> that. that but <laughs> oh, I danced to that at a seventh grade dance. That's or... <laughs> right. Yeah. So Gina Carter, I remember uh, she was one of, she was my first concert, but my favorite was Celine Dion, hands down. Yeah. Probably a little different in oh, production Tim McGraw, values, I would imagine. Faith Hill. That's pretty good, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. So this question is a favorite team regardless of sport. Mm. If you had to pick one, you've listed several. Actually, I would probably say, um, I really would like to say CrossFit in general. Um, and the reason I say CrossFit is, and not because I just drink the Kool-Aid, um, and everyone that does CrossFit has to talk about it, but when I was in high school, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have the same luxuries of going to the weight room like, like the guys did. And so here I am picking up a barbell for the first time in my 30s, which was great because I had no bad habits to break. But, you know, that sport in and of itself has really helped women understand that they can be strong and they can have muscle and that they can do this in a way that, um, like, strength is a, is a real, is, is valued and it's, and it's a beautiful thing in a different way. Um, so I would probably say that, and I have, you know, one of my favorite athletes, uh, Stacy Tovar from Omaha, Nebraska, and right. to watch her and how influential she's been, um, with women and with the sport. And, um, so that's the one I'll say, but there's a lot of other teams I could talk about. So, but I'll, <laughs> well, I'll like keep it to a minimum. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great answer. All right, Tara, what's a favorite movie? Mm. There are so many. Um, so I really love Julia, Julia Stiles as an actress. Like, she's done a lot of fun movies. And probably one of my favorite ones is Save the Last Dance. I love that. Um, but I also really love Remember the Titans, too. Like, I've just... There's just so many great ones, but I would probably say those two. I could also say 10 Things I Hate About You. Like, there's so many great, <laughs> great course. movies to talk through and yeah, oldies and goodies. And, um, but, yeah, so there's just some, definitely some favorites. Great. What's the best advice you received as a college student? Hmm. Now, make sure it's really profound, too, yeah. not just uh, remember Gosh. to brush your teeth in the morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, and I actually provide this as guidance, um, but when you think about what you're involved in, you know, um, outside of the classrooms, like the organizations, 
Um, and it was something to this effect, but, and this is what I tell our current students when I have the opportunity to present to them, is that they should be um, as selective with their co-curricular opportunities as they are with their curricular opportunities, right? And we see this a lot, um, and this happens in higher education all the time with our students, faculty, and staff. We have those that are just natural, like, yes people, right? Or they just have those natural skills and talents that just lend themselves to do something. And then they just keep saying yes. And so it's helping people understand that the that the value of understanding when to say no is just as important. And so ultimately, I really talk with them. And so I think that was shared with me. I was a very involved, very involved student in my undergraduate. Um, and I loved it. It kept me on track. Um, and so I think, you know, ultimately that and and just because someone discounts something you're interested in, don't, you know, still pursue it. Right. So a lot of times people maybe make fun of, you know, Greek sororities or fraternities. And ultimately, if you've never been a part of one, you don't maybe understand why there's value and, and that it's more than what people portray it to be, right? It's about the philanthropy. It's about the service. It's about the sisterhood, the brotherhood. Um, is it about being social? Absolutely it is. So I think that's the biggest thing is just when you think about what you do, you know, co-curricularly, being really selective about it and don't let other people, you know, dissuade you from where your true interests and passions lie. So... Yeah, sounds good. I don't think they said it that way, but in essence, they well, did. those lines? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, last but not least, uh, what's uh, one word that comes to your mind when you think of Shattern State College? Opportunity. I think there's a lot of opportunities for our students um, to pursue. Um, there's a lot of opportunities for everyone to grow and to learn. And I think there's a lot of opportunities for Shattern State College to continue to be a leading institution here in the state of Nebraska. And there's something fun and hopeful when you think about that word, like you think about opportunity, right? And what I love about CSC is that we are an institution that allows students to come here to pursue their opportunities. And not everywhere is like that. And I think helping students understand what they can succeed here, uh, how they can succeed and in, in what areas they can su succeed are just really critical. And so I think opportunity is, is one that I would describe CSC at the, at the top of that list. Yep, that's a good word. It yeah. is, it is. And you're one of those folks who, who helps those students figure out that path and, and how they can succeed. So certainly thank you for um, doing that for all, and all you do. And thanks for joining us today. Oh my gosh, thank you guys. I yeah. love talking to you too. It's so much fun. <laughs> thank you. You bet.